0: And now your hosts for today's show.
1: Welcome everyone and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host Kate and I'm joined by my co-host Christy as well as Jody, Michelle, Heather, Jana. Perfect. And we are also joined by Connie via phone Hello. so she's going to pop in when she can. <laughs> thanks Connie. Um, so I have a question for all of us in here and our listeners as well. I'm wondering if any of us have ever watched someone do something that we deemed as impossible and went, I could never do that. So have any of you Absolutely. done that oh, yeah. of yes, course sure. yes, yes Of course we have right. So we're all nodding in here, and I'm betting that all of you have had that experience as well. Well, today, my co-host Christy is going to start us off with a perfect example of just such a time. However, this time she did the impossible. And this time she became Limitless, which also happens to be the title of our show today. So, Christy, go ahead and start us off. Okay.
0: So, I decided that I was going to ride in a century bike race, which is a 100-mile bike race. Now, before you think that doesn't sound too crazy, I will tell you that I've never ridden <laughs> a think, bike. do <laughs> would think this doesn't sound crazy? <laughs> So yeah. I had never ridden a bike and it was January and I signed up for this race and, and you know, I'm looking at it going, oh, 20 miles, forty, sixty, eighty, or a hundred. Well, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> I am going to choose the one hundred. It's all or nothing. <laughs> I, I did not know that I could not ride my beach cruiser. Oh. I thought I I seriously didn't even know that there was such a thing as road bikes. As road bikes. So oh. the, Which is the why race, you a hundred miles. Exactly. So that's fine. So the race was in May, and then from January that? to May, I learned how to ride a road bike, clip in, you have to actually be attached. Did you know that? <laughs> <Yes>, to <that's laughs> the <bike>. It's <laughs> horrifying. And I learned about padded shorts and special cream you put on your privates, oh, and like all sorts of horrible, horrific things that had I known about this, I would not have signed up for a 100-mile bike race, but I did. And it came for the day of the race. And I had trained and trained and trained and done all that I could to be prepared. And in my training, I thought about the finish line. And I thought about how great it was going to be when I crossed that finish line and did this limitless thing. And the, the day of the race was stormy. And there was hail everywhere. And I had not trained in hail. And uh, there was wind that I would rather have rain and hail and all sorts of weather, but wind. And it was horrible. And I got to mile 50 and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But I pushed through and I got to mile 70 and I was totally broken. Um, All of the people who I had been riding with were either ahead of me or they had dropped off in the race. And there I was by myself in this situation. And I called my husband and I said, I'm so sorry. I have to quit. You have to come and get me. Here's where I am. And my husband showed up with my kids in the car and he put my bike in the back of the car and got me in the car and turned on the heat and got me warm. And I was crying because I felt like a failure. And I said, I've only made 70 miles and I'm such a failure and I just want to quit. And he said, okay, you can quit. You've done a really great job. You've done something you never could have done before. You can quit. But what if I just drive you to the top of this hill? I'm just going to drive you to the top of the hill and then meet me at the next rest station at the bottom of the hill. And then you can be done, but you can end on a high note. And I said, okay, well, I think I can do that. So he drove me to the top of the hill. I rode down and I met him at the rest station and he said, oh, awesome job. You can be done. And he opened up the trunk to put my bike in and he said, or what if I just go two miles, two miles, and then just meet me there and you can be done. After him doing this about three or four times, I realized he was with me and he was going to be with me through the rest of the 30 miles. And he did that with my children and it took three hours in this horrible weather for me to cycle these 30 miles. And my kids would cheer. And sometimes I would pass the car because I was doing so great. And sometimes I would stop and say, I'm done. I'm done. And he would say, okay, you can be done or go two more miles. Mm. And wow. to I me, oh, awesome. so when sad. when I got to the finish line, I was expecting this the whole time I trained to have this wonderful feeling. And you know, I was one of the very last people to cross that finish line that day. And it was really anticlimactic because what I had gained and where I had become limitless was in those miles when I realized that just for me, as my savior does, someone was waiting for me to push me along and to say, you can quit, but I'm here and you can do this. And um, really, we need to look to higher powers. And for me, that is a savior. For you, it might be something different to see where we can truly be limitless. And I will never ride a bike race again. <laughs> yes. and,
1: and that's, that's an okay. important addition to add. <laughs> the end. Yes, the end. You know what? I love that story. And I, when I heard the story, I was like, Christy, that is a show. And every time I tried to tell my mom it and my husband it, and I cry every time because the analogy is so powerful of your husband saying to you, you can get in the car or, and I just thought that's exactly what God does. He does give us the or. He's not making us do anything, but he is there if we choose to continue to go. And I love that you continue to go. And it wasn't like, yes, I'm awesome at the end. But I thought, you know, what, that's life. That really truly is life. So much of it is going to be, I'm sorry that you don't get to have this or this or this, but I will walk with you and it's going to be hard. Right. I thought the limitless was in the finish
0: line, but the limitless, is in the journey. Oh, that's perfect. I love that.
2: And your husband can do no wrong to me, by the way. Oh my gosh, seriously. My husband would have been like,
1: get in the car. Why have you been riding for seven hours? Let's go home. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, and in
3: bike racing, my husband is a big bike racer. And I just barely started bike racing. I've had a bike since um, December. He bought it for me for Christmas. And the reality is, is I did get on it and thought, how can I ride on these skinny tires? So you telling this story, I'm like, oh my gosh, Christy. But there are so many people who don't go that extra two miles and just do get in the car and finish. He just did a 205 mile for the second time. He did loaded you. But there are people that really you see at the end of the night, you're like, oh my gosh, you're so close. Just don't give up. Don't give up. So that physical challenge is so real. But Mm -hmm. you just inspired me because I actually have, I've enjoyed the biking, surprisingly. Um, But it makes me really know that when you're combining physical and mental, that is where the mm. test of limitless really
1: comes in. Mm-hmm. But I love that you say, I mean, anytime I've gone to any races and you cheer for people, you let it's an emotional thing. It is. You want them to finish. I yeah. think that's life. We all want each other to finish. We all want each other to be happy and, and achieve this thing. So let me ask each of you. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about a time later when we were limitless, but what is something that you believe you are limited in? What's an area that you're like, Oh, I could never do that. Like for me, I always wanted to sing on stage. Like from the time I was little on Broadway, I would cry going to Phantom as a 10 year old. I remember crying cause it just touched my heart so much. And I would love to do that. There's no way in heck like I stage fright, I would die, but that's something I just believe there's no way I could do. But I, love every time i go i'm so envious of those people that have that talent. anyway, what about the rest of you? what is something that you guys believe that you're anything limited? sports related? <laughs> <Just> anything. <laughs> anything sports. okay, anybody else? see, and
4: i feel really safe there. like physically yeah. i'm i would be really comfortable with any challenge. But when it comes to something like, I don't know, running for Senate or running for an office, I'm
1: there with you. No, no,
4: no. I I, I mean, I guess if I had to like dig down, but I don't want, no, I couldn't do that. I don't think I could do that. And I love
1: that you said, but I don't want to, because sometimes our limited, we don't want to, it doesn't have to be something you want to do. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. Michelle, do you have one? I, give me a
2: microphone any day of the week, right? Put me on a stage and I am 100% comfortable. But I really don't want a garden. I'm sorry. (laughs) I tried it this summer, and I wanted to poke my eyes out. I did not enjoy that even a little. (laughs) Now, I love nature and all of God's creations, and I also love the people that I can pay to put it in for me. I'm sorry. I can't do it. It's okay. okay. It's okay.
1: Jody, what about you? Oh,
3: I have thought about this so much because I have gone through anxiety in the last several months about things that I can't do. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't think I could bike and my husband buying me that bike was it. And so it's just barely, barely changed, but it was, it was Christian. There's no way I can ride a hundred miles with you. I did 16 and a half miles on Saturday and I've done it several times, you know, but that's as much as I am. So it has changed for me, but running for office, um, that would terrify me. I would feel bad anytime somebody took my poster out of the front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I realized that my it's something that's going to affect how I think about myself or yeah, what too you hard. know, it's, it's, I get too emotional and I'd go knock on their door and I'd be like, Have I offended you? have yeah. I, <laughs> I, <I'm laughs> I
1: done you?" So instantly.
3: something that's public like right. that. Okay,
1: so we are going to go into our quote of the day before we start talking about a time where we were limitless, like Christy. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so recently I've been addicted to affirmations. I've just learned about them, and um, they are changing my view of this limitless concept. And they're making me realize that really I am limitless, and I can affirm myself, and I can take the affirmations from my higher power. And one of my favorite affirmations of late is by Louise Hay from her book, You Can Heal Your Life. And it says, rejoice in the abundance of being able to awaken each morning and experience a new day. Be glad to be alive, to be healthy, to have friends, to be creative, to be a living example of the joy of living. Live to your highest awareness. Enjoy your transformational process.
1: I love enjoy your transformational process because it sometimes it's those awful hard things that we don't want to do but maybe are forced to do or thought that it would be different than it was that becomes a transformational process that's so pivotal in each of our lives. So now I want to ask each of you guys, um, when was a time, if you have had one yet, like Christy had, of this limitless moment in your life where you did something that you didn't believe was was possible for you. Does anybody have one? Jana, I please. do. I
5: do. And it parallels Christy's story in some ways. The um, the challenge that I had, and it, it was kind of the tip of a climax of another whole other challenge, but um, I had to illustrate a book and the deadline got moved up by two months. And so I thought I had two months to do these illustrations, which would have been Still not enough time, yeah. but instead I had two weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you pull out the Sundays, I had 10 days to do <laughs> 20 paintings. Oh my gosh. And just to put this in framework, I usually do fewer than 20 paintings in a
1: year. Oh, oh wow. my gosh. So,
5: so we're talking a year's worth of work in 10 days. Ten days. Ten days. It was two paintings a day. And uh-huh. I had this, this wonderful intern who was helping me. So that was, that was a miracle in and of itself. Um, super supportive husband took the kids on vacation to Lake Powell so that I could do this without them but honestly it was still just backbreaking, daunting and the most daunting part of all I have to say was the the final painting that I had to do was a portrait of the savior Mm. and that's the thing that I thought as an artist is just impossible I thought maybe when I'm 100 years old and my heart is pure I will you know Mm. but I just felt so unworthy and so not capable of that so anyway I started on this journey and I just did my two paintings a day And I started with an easy one and, you know, I just kept going. And um, I had this kind of monk-like state where I had simple food and everything. I just simplified every aspect of my life. And I had a very simple routine that I kept to. And I did. I painted from 7 in the morning till 11 at night every single day. And I did it. But the most amazing thing was it was a Christmas book. And so to get myself in this frame of mind, I have this Christmas music going 24 seven and I'm reading the beautiful text of the book, which is all about how to make a Christ centered Christmas and just this beautiful, beautiful thoughts going through my head. And what I realized was when I came to do that last painting that I was so terrified of, Mm -hmm. of the savior, I realized that he had been there with me Mm -hmm. the entire two weeks that I actually knew him intimately through this exact experience. Mm -hmm. And that painting almost just painted itself. Aww. That is awesome. And your book I is beautiful. That. Oh, and, thank yeah, you. We need love, to put that thank on there. Yes. Yes, yes,
1: absolutely. absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So, Connie, do you have something that you want to add?
6: Yes. You no, know, it's funny. As you've been talking about these things, I've just, I thought of the different things that, I think we do that in life, that we don't think we can do something. But when there's a deadline or when there's a really good purpose, then we, we end up being able to be more than what we thought we could be. For me, it was um, having a caboose at, at age 46. And that was just, it wasn't something that I had planned on in the sense of we opened the door, but, you know, it had been a couple of years and nothing had happened, and so I was kind of skipping away from that sacrifice saying, okay, good, I can move on with life. And we already had six kids, and that was plenty for me. And and so um, the day before we took our son to college, um, the day after, I found out that I was pregnant, and I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, my youngest was going into first grade and I was finally going to be able to start feeling like, you know, a person. I'm sorry because I was so sleep deprived and it had been along the a long haul with different issues that we had had to deal with with the kids. And anyway, I remember thinking, am oh, I going to be able to do this? And what if it's Down syndrome and that would change our whole lives and what if it's going to affect me health-wise and just all of these things that we had considered a couple of years before um, for opening the door, but it just became a reality. Sorry, I'm a little weepy today. Um, so anyway, but the thing that amazed me is that I feel like when we do hard things, we get a little blessing packet. And so sometimes that's why it's hard to to say we can or can't do it because we don't realize that we get extra help. And when we start to walk the path or pursue something, we get the extra help and blessings as we go along, but we have to start. And that's how it's been for me with this sweet little, we call him Chubbs, but he's three and a half now. And oh my gosh, I would remember thinking, oh, potty training and more sleep deprivation and uh, how can I do this? And yet, it's been good and not only has it been good but he has been such a healing force in our lives. I can't I can't even explain. He's like an old soul and he just he knows and comforts and, and is sweet and tender in just these special ways and has been such a hub for our whole family. My kids are not big babysitters and yet they've all been able to learn a lot of parenting skills and and being able to be focused on something other than themselves. And we find that Chubbs is, is a hub for us, that we all end up gravitating to him, and he provides that connection. So it's something that I didn't think that I could do, and yet I've had that blessing packet to help me be able to do the very thing that, that we were open to doing.
1: That is awesome. Thank you so much, Connie, for sharing that. And thanks, everyone, for sharing your um, what you took away from that limitless moment. Let's um, let's make sure we share those at the end of each of your stories because I would love to know, especially what you gained from those experiences. Um, does anyone else have one that you want to share?
4: Oh, you know, I've got a couple that immediately come to mind. Uh, one, obviously, that Kate and I have talked about a number of times, is having natural childbirth. I mean, y- you can bring anything, bring it on. If I <laughs> have a baby with no drugs, by all yes. means. Amen. And I remember a couple of physical challenges, you know, running a half marathon. And I remember at mile seven, I tore a ligament in the top of my leg, oh like my a gosh. couple of those things. But ironically enough, one that really has made a huge impact is I remember being very small and seeing someone in a restaurant eating by themselves. Mm. And I remember thinking I could never, ever, ever eat in a restaurant or go to a movie all alone. And then I was about 21, probably 22, and I had an opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. and work out there for a year. And my dad took me out. I'd never been, you know, to somewhere like that alone. And he got me all set up and taught me how to ride a metro, you know, do all those things. We explored it. And then I remember he left. (sighs) And I thought, I'm really hungry. (laughs) And I don't know my roommates. And I don't want to go back and make friends yet. Like, I'm not ready to do that. So my only choice was with no car, with nothing, I had to eat in a restaurant alone. And mm-hmm. as silly as that sounds, and remember, this is before cell phones and tablets, so it's not like I could <laughs> sit down and pretend. fake it, you know, like yeah. read the news or, you know, I had something yeah. to entertain me. It was just me. And I remember sitting there, first I had to tell them it was a party of one, and that was like, <laughs> you know, it just was, was so sad. hard and so awkward and so strange at the time. And here I was young and I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm sitting here all alone eating a meal in a restaurant. And I know it sounds silly, but it, it really did teach me that I can do it. As, as goofy as that sounds, right? It's just food. I mean, I remember where I was. I was at a California pizza kitchen
1: in the middle of, you
4: know, right out, outlying, you know, Washington, D.C. area. And as I sat there and, and took it all in, I thought, I am okay with me. And Mm. I think that's what I learned from it. I I didn't need someone across from me. I didn't need someone telling me what to do or how to do it. I I can do it. And in that moment, I became 100% accepting of just who I was. And I have relied on that, as silly as it sounds, learning it that day a million times to be okay with who I am by myself, with just
5: me like the definition of limitless, isn't it? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. that. Yeah. Being okay with just you. What about, it was powerful. I
3: I think I look back, um, this was probably about four, well, probably 13 years ago, but my limitlessness came in the moment where I had promised to do something big on behalf of another family. Um, I was a a leader to a young uh, group of girls and one of those young women had an eating disorder Mm. and, Her family was going through really extreme financial hardship. And one night in my kitchen, I looked out my window... And the thought came to mind, Jody, do a fundraiser. And I had been in marketing and I had been, you know, well enough that I thought, okay, I've done golfing tournaments before. I've done, why not have a fundraiser? And I didn't, I thought, well, garage seller. And all of a sudden I thought, let's do a concert. And I looked out my window because who lived below me was David Tolk. And he is a pianist for uh, a folk artist, Peter Breinholt. And all of a sudden I got this in my brain that I was going to pitch this. And I got really ahead of myself and called his wife. I had babysat their kids uh, while she was working for a political party. And I tossed this idea out there. And all of a sudden, she says, you know what? This just might be a really good thing. And it would take a lot of work, Jody." And I'd be like, I'm, I'm up for it. I'll do. I'll do whatever. Well, it turned into where David made the call and got yes from several other musicians. And all of a sudden, it came back to me as guess what, you get to now put well, this together. And um, I remember the fear, because now I was in now charge. in charge of filling of seats. Filling oh, it's a horrible feeling. <laughs> it's horrible,
4: it's <laughs> horrible. Oh, and,
3: uh, and I wanted to do it for this young gal. This treatment that she was going to be going to was, oh, $20,000. But uh, we did it. I pulled in every single neighbor that I could possibly talk to. But I had some scared moments of, can I deliver? Um, And it's different than maybe a job, because we all want to deliver in our jobs. But it was something personal. And it was something where I was standing on the porch to that family saying, I want to be able to help you. And I had promised to bring something to the table. That table was filled. And although we didn't fill all of that money, we filled a good chunk. But it is. It's that moment when you promise to do something, and all of a sudden you have to test not only... Your faith, but will those heavenly powers help you? Um, and that was something that was just a really neat experience to trust and say, "Put everything I think I know to the test, but then trust that build it, and they will come for a good cause." You know, oh, that is wonderful.
1: Nice. Thank you, Jody. Michelle, did you have one? hand? Um,
3: it's funny
2: how these things work because the things that I think I'm going to say are different than the ones yeah, that I do I in know. that
1: moment.
2: <laughs> um, and so I'm going to trust this a little bit, but. Um, I think one of the hardest things that I've had to do, and I've had some physical things too, like when I ran a half marathon, that tested me to my outer core. Um, But um, when I was 25, I got called in to see the bishop who, for those of you who aren't LDS, he is the leader of our congregation. And he asked me at the age of 25 to be the president of the Relief Society, which is over all of the women in the ward. And we had about 150 women that we were responsible for from the ages of 18 to 99. Mm. And I remember in that instant recognizing how small I was. Like I knew my limitations and I knew how hard it was going to be. And I've had some of my hardest experiences in that in that calling and responsibility. And one time the bishop asked me to go Um, And from time to time, and one of the things that I love about our church is our ability to help people in times of need. Mm -hmm. And um, the church has an amazing welfare program, but it all comes with interview and you have to be involved in interacting with people. And so I got to have some interesting conversations assessing needs. And one time the bishop asked me to go and um, assess a need with a family to find out if the mom had been doing drugs. And um, I remember um, thinking, well, how do I do that? Like I'm at the time, I was 26, so mm. I had really learned a lot in a year, <laughs> and uh, I don't even know how to do that. And I remember saying a prayer, but I, in the, in the instances where you te- you're told your whole life not to judge people, and then I'm sent in to judge, but I'm supposed to do that to help them as best as possible, um, I remember um, just standing there and knocking on the door and um, just sitting down and asking them a bunch of questions and um, carefully looking around the room and looking at the mother's arms and finding... Um, marks up and down her arms and, and things like that. And I I share that story, not in an area of judgment, but to say that in that instant where I was feeling a little bit of Mm -hmm. judgment, I was flooded with the spirit to be reminded about how important every single child is. And that regardless of her choices, there were things that we could do to help her. And I had lots and lots of those instances of a woman who um, had a miscarriage and I at the time had never had children. And I was sent to go and comfort her and not knowing even a single thing to say in the whole wide world. Um, Mm -hmm. But then just every time just saying, "Okay, what does she need? And it pushed me to my very end every single time. But I learned in those years um, how much God loves his children and how much he loves all of us and how sometimes the biggest hurdles we can get over are the ones where we need to help somebody else. And so as I had to put myself aside, many times I learned um, a great deal about how to help and love.
1: Anyway, I funny. love that. And I love that you talk about I mean that truly is limitless when you That's the best kind. Yeah, it is the best kind. When God's like, Hey, you are limited, but I'll I'll take it and fill it in. I think that's profound that you were called in at such a young age and not an accident. He wanted, I'm sure, to teach you that you could be limitless with him.
0: I was having a conversation recently with someone I consider to be very wise and as he was talking, I I, I was talking about some issues that I was having and and you know, I'm like, I, I'm carrying all of these issues. And he says, well, we can talk about them and we can process them. But what you're asking me is to just rearrange the baggage and then hold it again. Mm. But what I need you to know is that just rearranging it so that you can carry it better, it will still be the same weight. Still have- mm-hmm. And he said, what if you put down all of the baggage And the feeling of limitlessness just came over me. And it's really interesting to me that limitless comes in surrender.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that.
2: And I... And I also think that as we talk about all of these instances, one of the things that I truly believe is I think that God wants more for us than we want for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we the limitations that we place, we're placing on ourselves and we're placing on God. But instead of like all of your stories are a, a turning point where you had to say, wait a minute, can I do this? Yes, I can. I need your help. And acknowledging mm. that sometimes the ways that we can become limitless or when we ask for help from our, our spouse, from our friends, from God or whatever that is, we can do more if we don't try to do it on our
1: own. Well, Nyla, like for me, Heather talked about having a baby naturally, and and I did that, and it was one of the hardest, scariest things I had ever done because um, things went not as planned, and consequently, it was excruciating and terrifying, but before I went to the hospital, my husband um, said a prayer of comfort for me, and during the prayer, I felt Heavenly Father tell me that, or or God tell me that angels would surround me during my labor and delivery. And I thought that was nice at the time, but um, I didn't realize until after what I had gone through, how important that was. And that night as I still sat there shaking in my hospital room because it was such a traumatic experience for me. I really something really profound, which was that I didn't know to pray for God to send angels. I didn't know I would need them, but Mm -hmm. he did. Mm -hmm. And without me asking, he sent them. And I thought, isn't that amazing? That I truly believe is how God is, whether you think you're deserving, whether you believe in him, whether you know he exists or you don't or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're his child. He loves you. He'll send him if you need him. And I truly, truly believe that. And I had angels there who were nurses and doctors and my husband. And I had angels that I know I couldn't see that were sent to help me, even though it was scary and awful and hard. He knew that I wouldn't understand that. And he wouldn't say, Hey, don't do this. Instead, he was like, You know what? I know you're going to do it anyway, so I'm going to send somebody to help you. Go ahead, Jenna. You know, I've just been thinking about everything everyone's sharing and Chrissy's affirmations. And I think the thing that
5: strikes me that just stands so powerful is, and I say this to myself often in these moments, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I
1: love that. Amen. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jenna. So So we are so grateful that you joined us today for our chat on being limitless and hopefully you've come away thinking about what you're truly capable of and, and, um, that through, the power of God and, and a higher power. We really are capable of more than we think we are, even in those times we don't want to be capable of more. And, um, you can find this segment and others on iTunes or from the living as well as blog articles about the subject and more. And while you're there, please remember to download our quote card for today's show and join us next time. And in the meantime, be sure to give yourself and your family some living room today.
0: I really love Michelle McCullough, and I love everything she teaches me about powering up and powering down and how to take what I want to do in my life and really make it happen. Michelle, why don't you tell us about your book? Well, it's
2: um, just a fun little—I wanted to make it a quick read because I know there's a lot of personal development books out there. There are a lot of success books. But this is just a little bit of weaving into how some things that we can do, especially as women, um, those who have many responsibilities, can look at some simple principles that will help you increase your productivity, get more done in a day, find more joy in the everyday. But really take those things that are deep desires in your heart that have been in a little box labeled someday for so long so that you can pull out that box, dust it off and
0: uh, look at those goals and dreams and really make it happen. Thank you so much, Michelle. And Make It Happen is available on Michelle's website at speakmichelle.com. Speakmichelle.com and also available on Amazon. Believe me, Michelle has helped me to make it happen and she'll help you make it happen too. Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.